Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley. We know that chronic inflammation is at the root of every single degenerative disease. And so if we're going to thrive in life, we've got to do things to help encourage a healthy inflammation response in our body. One of the best ways we can do that is take herbs that help support inflammation and keep inflammation under control. The most well-studied herb for doing that is turmeric. Turmeric inhibits the inflammatory nuclear factor kappa-beta and STAT3 pathways. These are genetic pathways that amplify inflammation in our body. And by inhibiting these, turmeric really helps support good blood flow, joint health, brain function, our ability to think sharply and quickly and have good memory, mood, and just an overall good mindset. Now, when it comes to taking turmeric, you know, certainly we can be putting it on our our food, you know, and taking food-based forms of turmeric, right? A lot of people will use the most well-studied compound, which is curcumin. However, what we know is that whole food-based turmeric has nearly 300 other beneficial components than just curcumin alone. And so again, curcumin is extremely powerful, but the research shows that taking a whole food-based turmeric complex can be much more beneficial. Now, the problem with turmeric is that it notoriously has low bioavailability on its own, and the body has a hard time absorbing it. It really needs a good soluble fat to absorb it. And that's why Paleo Valley with their turmeric complex, they added coconut oil. I mean, you think about like a, like a curry with turmeric and coconut oil, and it's got different warming herbs, black pepper, you know, it's a, a, a popular Indian dish, the curry. That's really what allows it to absorb the best, the fat, the warming herbs. And that's what Paleo Valley did when they created their turmeric complex. They added coconut oil, they added black pepper, and that combination has been shown to increase the absorption of turmeric by 2,000%. On top of that, they also added in ginger, rosemary, and cloves, which are herbs that really support brain brain function. They support healthy inflammation, immune health, good digestion, and blood sugar stability. So you get all of that in the Paleo Valley turmeric complex. I'm a huge advocate of this supplement. I take it on a regular basis. And you can take it now as well and get a special discount. In fact, go to paleovalley.com forward slash drjockers and use the coupon code jockers, just my last name, jockers at checkout. That will save you 15% off your order. So guys, 
If you want to keep inflammation under control and really thrive in life, try out the Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex today. Again, use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15%. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I have got my good friend, Ben Azadi. He's got a great new book coming out, Keto Flex. If you're not familiar with Ben, you got to check out his podcast, Keto Camp uh, Podcast. And it is fantastic. He's one of the best educators when it comes to ketogenic lifestyle, fasting lifestyle, all the things that I like to talk about. Ben really does a great job of communicating those messages as well. So if you like my podcast, you'll definitely love his and also his YouTube channel as well. So check that out too. And guys, today we're talking about his new book, Keto Flex. You guys know that I'm huge on keto and intermittent fasting, and Ben really has a great spin with this. And this is a fantastic book that I would recommend for you guys to pick up. So Ben, welcome to the show. Ah, so grateful to be here with you, David. I love what you do in this world, and uh, I, I was honored to have you on my podcast twice already. So thank you yes. for having me today. Yeah, and this is your second time on as well. We had you on early on yeah. uh, in our infancy, our, our infancy period. And, what a blessing. Uh, you know, yeah, now we're probably like, I don't know, we're we're we're, we're probably like a, a teenager, preteen, something like that. <laughs> right, yeah, you're growing up, you're growing up for sure. <laughs> That's right. Well, Ben, obviously, you know, you just wrote this book, Keto Flex, right? And so let's talk about, let's start by your story and how you discovered keto and the ketogenic lifestyle. Yeah, and and uh, thank you for endorsing the book. Your name's in there. Uh, you wrote a great testimonial, and I'm just so honored to have that because you have been a huge inspiration to me for several years, David. So thank you first and foremost. So keto, I, I came across keto in 2013, 2014. I was actually transitioning from a plant-based diet, a, a vegan diet, where I was really dogmatic about it, and I did it for a year and a half, and my health actually suffered as a result. I was duped by a lot of these documentaries and the China study, which we know there's a lot of flaws in there, but I didn't really know how to read research and understand the study. So I fell into that and I was telling all my friends and family, you got to be vegan. You got you to save the world and save your health and blah, blah, blah. So I put myself in this box and then a few months into the vegan diet, I realized I actually don't feel so good, but I kind of handcuffed myself by saying all that and putting myself into that dogmatic box. And I just kept with it for a year and a half and I decided, okay, this is really not working for me. I need to go get some lab work done. I did, it verified how I felt. And then I started to get into other research. You, David, Dr. David Jockers, of course, Paul Check, uh, Dr. Pompa. And I started to understand this process of ketosis. And I got into this, I started to research ancient healing strategies and I came across ketosis. And it was so fascinating to me to understand that every single one of our ancestors actually did keto. And there's nothing really new about it. It's just more nuanced. Every one of our ancestors did it. Their environment forced them into ketosis, similar to fasting. So I decided to actually transition away from the vegan approach to a ketogenic approach. And uh, it was just so healing to my body. For the first time, I really started to understand health at the cellular level. And I felt better. My inflammation reduced. My performance at the CrossFit gym I was going to help, uh, improved as well. And I started to feel really good. And I got really obsessed with understanding ketone and ketone bodies. And that's where it all started for me back in 2013, 2014. Yeah. And that's when it really started picking up in popularity as well. You were an early adopter on it. And so let's talk about really what ketosis is. You know, a lot of people think it's all based around a diet, but you know, it's really a physiological state. And then I'll let you go into more detail there. Yeah. You said it, it's not a diet. It's a metabolic process. And uh, when we think about it, it's a, 
our birthright is actually to burn fat. Babies that are born into this world that are breastfed go in and out of ketosis because we know that saturated, there's saturated fat cholesterol in breast milk, which helps the development of that baby's brain. So it is our primal birthright to burn fat and it's very healing to the body. Uh, we have about 70 trillion cells inside of the body, but only two options for fuel. Either we're burning glucose or burning fat. And when we're stuck as glucose burners, AKA sugar burners, it's a toxic fuel source. I always compare that to a truck speeding through the highway with all the smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe of that mm. truck. That truck is not gonna be healthy for the surrounding environment. Well, when your cells are burning glucose, it creates a lot of cellular smoke and cellular toxins, not healthy for the cellular environment. So if you could use keto and look at it from a lifestyle lens, not a fad diet, you could teach the body and the cells to switch fuel sources to fat, which we know is a cleaner source. It's like a Tesla cruising through the streets, much cleaner for the surrounding environment, much cleaner for your cellular environment. So that's why I love keto because it could help reduce inflammation at the cellular level. So now your hormones could do a better job, the nutrients, yeah. the oxygen, your thoughts could actually penetrate your cells much better. And that's what it's about. It's about teaching your body to have that metabolic switch and flexibility like you teach, David, to tap into this ancient, ancient healing strategy, which we know reduces inflammation in the body. Yeah, for sure. And, and when most people think about fat burning, they think about weight loss. But you know, I, I think about it from this perspective. I've I've never tried to lose weight in my entire life. I've, in fact, you know, if I could put on another five pounds of muscle, I'm all for it. Um, but yet, I really enjoy being in a state of ketosis, and I really love it for for the brain health benefits. I feel really mentally clear, really mentally sharp. I feel, you know, I don't have any pain in my body. I just really feel great. I'm able to perform at my best. So, if you're looking to for high performance, being in a state of ketosis is is really an ideal state. However, we don't want to be in ketosis all the time. And that's what you talk about in your book, Keto Flex. So let's talk about that. Yeah, exactly. So when we look at the, our ancestors, yes, they all did keto, but they didn't stick with keto long term. Whenever they had the opportunity, when they came across honey or tubers or fruit, they would eat that. They didn't look at their tribe and say, we don't eat that, we're keto. No, they would eat yeah. that. So there's not one culture in the history of this world that stuck with the same diet long term. It's not until the last 50 years or so that we have this new problem that people are sticking with the same foods and the same diet, which we're not designed to do. It, it, it doesn't create any kind of uh, adaptation in the body. And we know when we create a change and we force adaptation, good cells get stronger and bad cells don't adapt. And that change is this hormesis, right? This hormetic curve that we start to see benefits. Mm -hmm. So keto flex, the reason I call it keto flex is because we want to actually teach the body to burn fat and have that as your primal fuel source, but not the only fuel source. We want to have times where we actually flex out of ketosis and flex back in. And that's the premise behind the book. So I, and, and I've seen four ma major problems with those people who stay with keto long-term and people always ask me, David, what is long-term? I would say anything more than about six months of strict ketosis could be considered long-term. Yeah. Uh, number one, I've seen fat loss actually slow down. So if you wanna lose weight on keto, which is can be done, uh, the body will want to actually preserve that precious fuel source, fat. The number one priority mm -hmm. for the body is survival. And yeah. if you've only been giving it fat as a fuel source, it's gonna to wanna to preserve that fuel source. So I've seen weight loss and some of the results slow down when you're too regiment with it. Uh, number two, uh, we know that the thyroid gland produces T4 hormone, which is that inactive form that needs to be converted to T3, which is the active form that is actually used by the cells. 
T3 is so important that every single cell has a receptor site for the T3 hormone, and it helps the cells produce energy, helps you burn fat, helps you feel good. Now, what helps make that conversion is actually insulin. So when you don't, when you have chronically low levels of insulin from strict ketosis and or too much fasting, that conversion could become compromised. So those are a couple of reasons why we want to actually flex in and out of ketosis. Yeah, for sure. And also, if you're in ketosis too long, you can have an elevated amount of sex hormone binding globulin as well, right? Which so you end up with lower levels of free estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, right? Which exactly. obviously cause a lot of different issues too. Yeah, so I've seen some wonky levels of testosterone, estrogen, sex hormone binding globulin. And it's also interesting, I've seen, David, some leptin issues. I've seen, yeah. you know, because it's interesting, when you're eating a standard American diet, you can get this leptin resistance. So leptin is that right. hormone that tells you you're full, stop eating, put down the fork. And then when you transition into a clean keto uh, lifestyle, you get more leptin sensitive. But then when you stick with it too long, you actually create another problem, which is more resistance to the leptin. So what I've seen is having a keto flex day, and I could explain what that means, uh, that actually helps activate those receptor sites for leptin and actually makes it more sensitive. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And so let's talk about keto flex and how you recommend doing this. You know, obviously most people in our society are dealing with insulin resistance. And so in order to heal that, you know, we really need to dial down the carbs. We might need to apply intermittent fasting, different fasting strategies. And I know you go through all that in your book, but then there comes a time where we want to really, you know, basically be able to adapt, like you talked about, creating that sort of carb cycling or, um, you know, keto flex model, uh, like you talk about in your book. Yeah, and you talk about it as well in your uh, yeah. your book, keto, keto Metabolic Breakthrough, which you have mm -hmm. behind you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, in the book, I talk about it. Once you get through the pillars, I have my four main pillars. The fourth pillar, the final pillar is that keto flex pillar. But if you reach that point, which takes you about 60 days, and you still have insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, some sort of metabolic yeah. damage, you could stay a little bit strict for longer as you heal that and throw in those fasts. Like you, I know that you recommend a 24-hour fast once per week yeah. would be just transformational. So uh, if you reach that point, you could have a keto flex day, not necessarily with higher carbs. You could have it with higher protein and, and no fasting. Right. The goal is just to mix it up, activate more of that mTOR, and get that body to adapt to that day. So that's how you would do it if you have some insulin resistance going on at that point. But if you don't have that going on and you want to actually have a full-on keto flex day, uh, there's a different protocols in the book. I'll outline real quick uh, the five win one rule, which actually Dr. Pompa uh, came up with, and I yeah. adopted that and put it into the book. It's a seven-day protocol, and here's how it works. Five days out of the week, you're going to be eating your keto-friendly meals, and you're going to be practicing your favorite intermittent fasting schedule, whether it's a 16-8 or an 18-6. Ideally, you don't want to have more than two meals during your eating window, and you want to keep those two meals keto-friendly, keep the total carbs below 50 grams. You want to be in ketosis for those five days. Now, the first one in the 511 rule is a 24-hour water fast, one of your favorite protocols, mm. David, yeah. where you just go dinner, dinner, or lunch to lunch, but just water and sea salt for 24 hours to get more fat loss, more autophagy, and more gut healing. We know through research that it could be profound to reset the gut by just having water for 24 hours. And then that final one is your keto flex day. And you don't really want to practice fasting on this day. You want to have your breakfast lunch and dinner, you want to increase your total carbohydrates, healthy total carbohydrates, somewhere between 100 and 150 grams for this day, you could also increase your protein and then lower your fat below 30 grams for that day. That's going to intentionally 
flex you out of ketosis. But if you've done it the right way and you've built up this metabolic machinery, you should be able to go right back into ketosis within the next 24 to 48 hours. And that's the goal, that metabolic flexibility. And that's how you would do it. That's the five one win rule. Yeah, and that feast day, especially after you've spent a lot of time building the metabolic machinery to get into ketosis is really a stressor, especially dialing down the fat. So your body's all primed to burn fat for fuel. And now you're increasing the carbs, increasing the protein and increasing mTOR and insulin. And it's a stressor on the system that you've got to adapt to, just kind of like weather change, um, cold shower, mm -hmm. exercise, things like that. All these things are stressors in the body, but the body adapts and gets stronger and more resilient through it. Exactly. That's what we want to do. We want to continuously to stress the body in a good way via this hormetic principle. And it's interesting because hormesis has this, this curve that when you, so hormesis is a, a stress that you force to the body that gives you a positive outcome. Exactly mm -hmm. what you said, David. And when you start to do hormesis, whether it's ketosis or fasting or cold exposure or exercise, you start to benefit. So you have this curve going up. Yeah. But then when you stick with it and you get too much stress, it starts to decline. And if you stick with it too long, you can actually really hurt yourself. So that's the magic. It's always changing it up and flexing in and out and creating this adaptation, like you just said. Yeah, exactly. So again, not all stress is bad. We got to get the right amounts, the Goldilocks method. You know, it's like we've got to get just the right amount for our body. And it can be unique for each individual. So that's where listening to your body comes in. Mm -hmm and really listening to the feedback that your body's giving you, but you've given a great framework for how to get started with that and how to implement that. Now, how do you recommend somebody get started? Let's say there's a listener out there that, you know, is really new to this information. And in your book, I know you kind of take somebody from a beginner, a beginner level and graduate them up to where all of a sudden, you know, now they're in ketosis and they're implementing the keto flex principles, but how do we get started? Yeah, the first thing we want to do is we want to start to increase our healthy fats. And there's a, a, a protocol in the book called the 2222 rule. So this is perfect for your audience who wants to do keto and they're starting very soon. Every single day, you want to consume about two tablespoons of either grass-fed butter or grass-fed ghee, two, tablespoon of, uh, two tablespoons of olive oil or avocado oil, two tablespoons of coconut oil or MCT oil. And then the final two is two teaspoons of sea salt. What that's gonna do, it's gonna teach your body to start utilizing fatty acids instead of glucose. And the sea salt will be there to help replenish the electrolytes because you're gonna lose some electrolytes. So as you do that, at the same time, you wanna gradually decrease your total carbohydrates to eventually drop that below 50 grams for the day. And you should be able to get in ketosis safely without the keto flu, which as you know, it's really the carb flu. Uh, in about seven to 14 days, no side effects. And that's the best way to do it. Once you get into ketosis after about 14 days, and if you have extra body fat, then I recommend actually tapering down the fat, increasing your protein so your body could get fat from your own fat stores. And that's the best way to start keto. Okay, so you increase the fat, start dialing down the carbs, right? And then once you're in ketosis, then you start increasing protein. Yeah, and then if you have extra fat, dial down the fat a little bit too, yeah. Right. Right, kind of tinker with it, figure out where, where it's best. Now, when do you recommend intermittent fasting and how do you recommend that? I recommend it, and it's in the second pillar, which is called fast. So after the 14 days, then we start pairing intermittent fasting. And the reason I don't like doing it too soon, as you know, it's fasting is like a muscle. And if we haven't developed that muscle via building up this metabolism, it could look ugly. You wouldn't be a couch potato for 10 years and go do a CrossFit workout. So the fact that you're doing keto for 14 days helps build that muscle. So at the same time, I didn't mention this, we want to avoid snacking in those first 14 yeah. days. You could have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Maybe you do a 12-hour fast, 
But after that, now you have more metabolic flexibility to go ahead and skip that breakfast and go about 16 hours and feel good while you do it. Something else that you talk about all the time, David, is the bitters. I know that you're a big fan of supporting the liver. So Mm -hmm. I have a whole list in my book on why we want bitters to help stimulate bile from the liver and help break down that fat. That's going to be very important as well. The bitters are going to be key, especially if you don't have a gallbladder. And Mm. let's face it, so many people have beat up that soccer mom liver that does everything for us from medications to processed foods and alcohol and toxins. So we want to support it. And having some bitters or even taking ox bile could really help you support the liver, produce healthier bile and to break down that fat, especially in the beginning. Yeah, that is so important because a lot of people will increase their fat and they'll feel bad, right? So they're, yes. they're, they'll get constipated or they'll have greasy stools. They'll, have, they'll be itchy. They'll have itchiness on their skin. Sometimes they'll break out with acne. These are all signs that, you know, acid reflux, another one. These are all signs, again, that they're not producing enough stomach acid and bile. And those bitters really come in and naturally stimulate the vagus nerve and production of stomach acid, stimulate the bile release. You know, it's all an orchestrated machine in your digestive system. And when one of those pieces is off, you're not going to feel as good when you're eating these types of foods, when you start to uh, change around your diet. So yeah, bitters are so critical. I'm glad you implemented that in the book. And that's a huge thing. A lot of people in the keto world really don't emphasize that or talk about that. And you see a lot of the diets and it's just, you know, bacon and eggs and lots of cheese and things like that, which, you know, these kinds of foods... Uh, you know, can be beneficial from the perspective that they don't spike your insulin levels, right? And they provide nutrients. However, they can be tough on the digestive system. And so many people have already overwhelmed their digestive system. So I'm really glad that you focus in on that. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. And not, not a lot of keto educators are speaking about the liver and the bile and the bitters. Yeah. Something else that I recommend, especially in the, the first 30 days, or if you've hit a keto plateau, is to remove cow dairy at least for 30 days yeah. and maybe switch over to like a sheep or a goat. And this might be a little bit difficult. A lot of people give me heat because of this recommendation, but I do recommend maybe eliminating for 30 days spinach and almonds, which are higher in oxalates and anti-nutrients, yeah. which I've seen just removing that for 30 days has tremendous benefits to heal the gut and reduce inflammation. So actually in the beginning, I, rec- I recommend for those first 14 to 30 days to remove the cow dairy, the spinach and the almonds and let your body actually reduce inflammation. And then you could slowly introduce it back in because it, it can have a hormetic stressor. But if you already are going through so much stress right now in the gut, you have leaky gut, it's going to be a good idea to avoid that for a short uh, period of time. Yeah, and that's a big one. You know, there's a lot of keto recipes with almond flour, right? Yeah. Almond flour is like a concentrated dose of oxalates. And for some people, they handle that just fine. But, uh, but you know, obviously, there's a lot of people out there, again, that have compromised digestive systems. And oxalates, you typically hear about oxalates when it comes to kidney stones. Calcium oxalate stones are the most common form of kidney stone. But they can cause a lot of pain in the body as well. And you, you normally have a bacteria in your intestinal system, oxalobacter fermingis, that will eat them. Um, however, it's real fragile, that bacteria. And if you've taken antibiotics or consumed a lot of meat and dairy products that have antibiotics in them, um, you may have decimated your levels and then you don't metabolize the oxalates well. And now they end up causing more irritation in the gut. Uh, they get out in the bloodstream from leaky gut. You guys have heard of that. Um, so where your gut lining is damaged, now the oxalates get out. They start causing more inflammation in the joints, in the brain. A lot of people with brain issues, kids with autism, ADHD, a lot of times there's an oxalate component. So yeah, it's definitely important things. And you mentioned two of the biggest 
food sources, spinach and um, the almonds, uh, definitely big sources. You know, some of the other ones are actually sweet potatoes, believe it or not, are, are higher in oxalates, um, which is unfortunate. That's a great cycling food and and we still recommend it. It's not like you have to get rid of these foods. It's right. more like you just want to be, you want to be aware of how your body responds to these foods. I think that's really the big thing, but really almost all nuts, seeds, they're going to be higher in oxalates. It's a plant defense system to prevent the plant from, you know, being wiped out by a predator. So it kind of slowly poisons it over time. And speaking of that, I know that you've experimented with, with a carnivore diet as well. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I did experiment a couple of times with carnivore. Last year, I did a, a full 40 days strict carnivore. And it was really fascinating. Now, up until that point, I had read and heard so many interesting anecdotal evidence on what carnivore can do for inflammation and just to help heal the gut. But I wanted and I wanted to recommend it to my Keto Camp Academy members, but I needed to do it first and live it to lead it. So I decided to do 40 days straight. I did a whole bunch of lab work on day one. Uh, a full on panel it was a $3,500 panel on day one. And then I did 40 days of strict carnivore. And then I did that same panel on day 40. So a few things I noticed throughout the 40 days, number one, my energy levels were so much better. My heart rate variability increased. My sleep scores increased via the aura ring. Uh, my deep sleep increased. My REM sleep increased. All mm. of my scores improved. My skin complexion got better. I lost some extra body fat that I was, you know, yeah. that was beneficial. And uh, something else was I have I have Raynaud's, which is an autoimmune disease, and I've had it for my entire life. And you know I was not healthy for most of my life. I had mercury poisoning, mold uh, exposure, and I was also obese. So I turned on that autoimmune gene, and I, I'm dealing with it to this day. But up before I did carnivore, I I would get a flare up just every single day from my Raynaud's, and it would be either with cold, really cold hands that might turn white and blue, mm. or when I actually ate a meal my hands would get really hot and inflamed and swell where I have to take my ring off my finger. So wow. when I did the carnivore, David, in those 40 days, I only had two small autoimmune flare-ups the entire 40 days, which was really fascinating. And I felt so good. And then let's talk about the lab work. So I did a whole bunch of inflammatory markers. I did C-reactive protein, homocysteine, fibrinogen. I did my cholesterol panel, NMR panel, A1C. I did a whole panel. And all of my inflammatory markers decreased from day one to day 40. Uh, one of them specifically, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, which is a good assessment at, at looking at yeah. inflammation and assessing your risk of a cardiovascular event. On day one, my C-reactive protein was 1.1, which is pretty good. On day 40 of eating nothing but animal fat, cholesterol, and protein, it dropped down to 0.5 which flies in the face of conventional wisdom that says, if you eat cholesterol, you're going to increase your risk of disease, heart disease. What was the complete opposite? Homocysteine dropped, A1C dropped the point, And I just felt tremendous. Now my cholesterol went up and LDL went up, but all my inflammatory markers and oxidative stress markers decreased. So I was so convinced by this experiment and some of the research I've done that I included it as a chapter in my book. And it's my third pillar called the phase pillar. So it's a 30 day protocol on carnivore. Hey, I just want to take a quick moment and tell you about my new book, The Fasting Transformation. I am so excited about this book. It is a functional guide 
to help you burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. Fasting is the most ancient form of natural medicine. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting improves your blood sugar and your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in your body, optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and helps activate stem cells and deep cellular healing. Guys, you're gonna learn so much from this book. You can check it out, The Fasting Transformation on Amazon or on our webpage, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. So check that out now. You guys are going to love the book. And if you have a chance, leave a review on Amazon. Thanks so much. Wow. So the, the third pillar is your phase protocol, 30 days on carnivore. Um, obviously, you saw these kinds of results. Now, what, what do the meals look like there on a carnivore diet? Yeah, so there's four different levels to do it. The most strict one is level one. And that's more probably for somebody who has severe autoimmune disease. They have a lot of leaky gut, a lot of things going on, uh, which is just nothing but red meat, like beef and salt. <laughs> that's it, <laughs> which could be super healing. As you know, red meat is, is pretty good. Um, level two allows all animal protein. So you could have some fish, you could have some um, uh, you could have some fish, bison, any, lamb, whatever you want, any animal yeah. protein. Level three is a, everything I mentioned plus eggs and dairy. And then mm -hmm. level four is the most flexible, everything I mentioned, plus a little bit of some like plant-based sauces, some mushrooms and things like that. I did a level two combined with level three. And uh, I'm very active. So I actually cycled in a little bit of some raw honey around my workouts, which actually made a big difference for me. Yeah. So uh, for me, I feel so good when I eat red meat. Like most of my meals were red meat, some butter. Uh, I did have some dairy the final three weeks. So that was pretty much the bulk of it. But I did focus on getting a lot of the organ meat to make sure I'm getting in those, those nutrients and balancing the amino acids. So I either supplemented with organ meat or, or had it in the form of like liver or like heart or, and I combined that with the ground beef. So that was my, my protocol personally. Yeah. And for somebody, so you've experimented with going both plant-based as well as carnivore and, you know, based on, on your labs and how you felt, it seems like carnivore, you experience a lot better results. And so why do you think that is? Well, I think uh, for me, it's gut issues, leaky gut. You know, yeah. I think every, every almost every American has some form of leaky gut, right, David? Yep. Uh, so I definitely had leaky gut. I probably still do to this day because of the fillings that I had in my mouth, right? I had eight right. silver fillings for eight. 20 plus years, dude, which, wow. which yeah, leaked mercury yeah. into my brain, into my gut. Isn't it, shouldn't it be criminal to put that in a kid's mouth? It really mouth? should be. Yeah, it really should be. Ah, and there's... They're still doing it to this day. So yeah, I had that. I lived in a moldy home that I didn't even know for three years, dude. And wow. I, I moved out of there. So that really beat me up. So for me, I didn't do well with all these anti-nutrients. It was really making things worse. And I feel so much better when the majority of my plate is meat. I yeah. look better. I feel better. It's just a game changer. And my lab work verified it. So, and I think that's the case for, for most people out there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, in the nutrition world, you know, we really we, we really get lopsided where we're thinking about nutritional value and, you know, plants always, there's always a bias, you know, towards plants and the nutritional value that plants provide. And, you know, I'm a fan of eating plants. I eat plants on a, you know, on a regular basis and they do provide a lot of key nutrients, but you always have to take in what is the cost of eating that plant. So if you're eating, you know, a piece of fruit, 
an orange, let's say, you get you have a lot of vitamin C, you have bioflavonoids, which are great nutrients, but you also have fructose, right? And high amounts of uh, sugar, we know that that's going to cause more issues with blood sugar dysregulation. So there's an anti-nutrient in it as well. So it's like you're paying a certain amount of money in order to get you know a certain amount of value. And depending on how your body responds to the anti-nutrients, that it, that that food may have a net cost that's greater than the benefit, you know. So you may end up in the negative, right? If you're if it's like balancing your your checkbook, mm-hmm. and if as long as you're producing enough stomach acid, that is the main area where breaking down red meat, for example, steak. You need to produce good stomach acid. Once you produce the stomach acid to really break it down and and bile and and stimulate bile flow, so you can emulsify the fat that's in there then it's easy on the rest of your system. So I've seen some individuals with real low stomach acid, they eat a steak, they do terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's individuals that have more issues with leaky gut that are, um, you know, they eat broccoli and they get bloated, for example. They have bacterial overgrowth in their in their small intestine. So one of the things, Ben, that that I actually like to do, and I, I do talk about a little bit in my Keto Metabolic Breakthrough book is, you know, we do a steak test, right? So you eat a steak, and then it's just like a six ounce steak and that's it, right? Maybe some salt on it. And then you see how you feel over the next three or four hours. If you feel great, you're producing enough stomach acid. If you feel really, really bad uh, in a food just sitting there, you have acid reflux, you're not producing enough stomach acid. So there are things we can do to help address that. Um, and then I'll have them eat a, a fat bomb, right? So they get, you know, like a coconut butter, maybe some chocolate in there, fat bomb. And they eat that. And that's mostly just fat. And so if they, again, See how you feel over the next three or four hours. If you're feeling bloated, acid reflux, having unwanted symptoms, a lot of fatigue, you're not producing enough bile. And then um, we'll have meat broccoli. So just basically steamed broccoli and you just eat that. Normally you eat a bowl of broccoli, you should feel fine, right? Over the next three or four hours. And if you're not, that's a sign that you know, you're, you've got bacterial overgrowth in your intestines and in your small intestines. And you may also have pancreatic insufficiency where you're not producing enough pancreatic enzymes. And oftentimes those things go hand in hand. And so, you know, that's kind of like a, a litmus test to kind of see where you're at to get started. And if you feel good eating the steak, a lot, I've had a lot of people, they do that and they feel a lot better eating the steak. That's a great person, great candidate for somebody to go on a carnivore diet for a period of time. Like I don't recommend it long-term, but you know, for a short-term period of time and see how that person does. And they might respond like you and, and do great. I think I could do a carnivore diet. I do great with, with steak and meats and things like that. So, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could do that and, and do great. Yeah. I love that test. I think that's brilliant. The, the steak, the yeah. broccoli and the fat bomb. I think that's so brilliant. There's no fancy test required. Just buy the products, eat it, and then listen to your body. It's, it's brilliant. And then if you, if you find, if you determine that you can't process the meat, like you said, there's things you can do. You could take HCL, you could take some supplementation, right. some digestive enzymes. So there's some workarounds, but it gives you that data. So I think it's brilliant. Well, well said. Yeah, for sure. And I think we do have an epidemic of bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine. Yeah. Um, or really just, you know, microbial overgrowth in general, because it could be yeast, could be parasites. And so what happens there is those things start to ferment the food before our body's able to really break it down and absorb the nutrients. Mm-hmm. And that over-fermentation in that area of the body, we're really not we're not meant to deal with that. So that ends up causing more gas production which can push, put pressure on the stomach, causing acid reflux. We have an epidemic of silent reflux. You know, if you got to clear your throat a lot, um, it's a sign of, of silent reflux where it's like, you don't have the burn, the heartburn, but you're still getting acid jumping up into the, in the esophagus. And that's actually not 
too much stomach acid. It's actually typically a sign of too much gas production, usually too low stomach acid or bacterial overgrowth or a combination of those things. And a carnivore diet can be really great for that because you're reducing the amount of fiber and fermentable foods. And that's what these microbes really thrive on. I and mean, they can break down proteins and stuff like that, but they really thrive on the fiber. Um, you know, and so doing that can really help. And also intermittent fasting. I mean, you and I are both huge fans of that. One of the best things for the gut. And we talked about that on your podcast. Yeah. How that really helps heal and seal the gut lining as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it stresses the gut, which creates that diversity. Um, right. so absolutely. Exactly. There's so many protocols and tools that we can use. And I also agree with you, David, I love carnivore. I don't think it's a great tool long-term. It's yeah. something that you do short-term. The goal is not to just avoid these anti-nutrients forever. The goal is to maybe remove them short-term, doing some things to fix the gut, and then you could reintroduce specific foods and see how your body responds to that. And, and that's what it's about. It's developing that relationship with the body so you can understand what works for you, what doesn't, and continuously do these tests and then change along the way. Yeah, that's it's so important. And so some of the people out there may do terrible on a carnivore diet and you may do great on, you know, more of like a whole food plant-based diet. You know, I, I always think about it like a bell curve, right? So on one side of the bell curve, you got the people that seem to thrive on a, you know, whole food plant-based diet. And you have the other side of the curve that seems to thrive doing a carnivore diet. And you may be in the middle. You may be able to do, be able to kind of cycle between the two if you want to. Um, or just kind of figure out, you know, the routine that works best for you with that and experiment with these kinds of, uh, of diet strategies. I know you're a fan of that as well. And mm -hmm. so, Ben, what are you typically doing on a regular basis now? Like, what is your typical routine? Yeah, I, I typically fast uh, until the afternoon. I do have some coffee in the morning, yeah. some uh, qual high quality organic shade grown mold free mm -hmm. coffee. I'll, I'll usually put a little bit of some uh, butter, grass-fed butter or ghee in there and uh, a little bit of some MCT oil and some sea salt yeah. and I'll blend it together. Like I have that right here since we're in, recording in the morning. Uh, I'll usually have that about an hour and a half after I wake up as my cortisol begins to drop. That's when I have it to get more bang yeah. for the buck. I and do the same fast. thing. I, I do the same thing. Oh, yeah? I, drink, I drink two cups. I've got to drink two cups of herbal tea before I drink coffee. Awesome. <laughs> That's always my rule. So usually it's about an hour and a half, two hours yeah. or so. And uh, yeah, it works great. Yeah. So very similar routine there. So yeah, hour and a half after I wake up, I'll have that and I'll kind of sip it for the next two hours or so. Like I'm, this is from two hours ago and it's not done yeah. yet. Uh, and then I'll fast until usually three or 4 PM in the afternoon. Then I'll break my fast usually with some meat. I'll break it with some meat, uh, sometimes with some like cashews or something like that. And then I'll have another big meal around 5.30, 6 p.m. I don't like to eat too late at night, too close to bed. And that's a normal routine for me. Of course, sometimes I'll listen to my body and if I start to feel really hungry and I feel like I wanna eat something around noon, I'll eat something around noon. I'm, I'm not sticking to the same schedule every single day. I'm very flexible. And I think that's important to always mix things up and not do this, eat the same foods every day and, and follow the same fasting schedule every day. I think that'll lead you towards a path of frustration and a lot of stalls. Yeah, that's so true. Now, are you practicing like a 5-1-1 where you're doing like a one-day, 24-hour fast and then one feast day? How do you typically try to implement kind of that diet variation? Yeah, so the way that I do that diet variation yeah. is through a dinner, right? Because I know like tonight yeah. I'm going out to dinner with my fiance now and two right. friends. And that meal is going to be a higher carb flex meal. And then tomorrow I'll go right back into ketosis. So I don't typically do a whole day, 
but I'll have two or three of those flex meals per week. Yeah. And I have this metabolic flexibility that I could have that tonight and be right back in ketosis tomorrow morning. And then, yes, I like throwing in a 24 hour, just water only fast, usually on Sunday, no supplements, nothing, just water and salt to get that reset. That's kind of my go-to. Yeah, I do the same thing, Ben. I do, uh, my, my fast is always from lunch Wednesday to lunch on Thursday. So I broke it yesterday. We're doing this interview on a Friday. Um, so that's when I typically do my fast. And then I'm like you, I don't have a feast day, but depending on what my family's doing, you know, I just kind of listen to my body. A lot of times I just eat a ton of protein some nights, uh, especially at, like days when I do strength training. Um, or, you know, like for example, uh, every now and then, like every other week or so we'll do cauliflower pizzas, which have cassava flour mm -hmm. and I just love them. And so that's like my hard, high carb kind of feast there. Um, so yeah, I just kind of listen to my body and my body's saying, Hey, I want more protein. I eat more protein. And other than that, I just try to enjoy life with my family. There are some sources of carbs that my family, uh, you know, I've got kids and a pregnant wife and so that they're consuming, uh, they consume more fruit than I do. I do like some berries. A lot of times I'll have after dinner, I'll just make like a little berry smoothie with, with frozen avocado, frozen berries, some protein powder and uh and just blend that and some mct oil some c8 mct just mm. blend that up and it's like dessert for me that's ice cream that sounds delicious what, yeah. what kind of protein powder do you usually use yeah i use bone broth protein yeah mm, awesome oh so, yeah. yeah just a, a grass-fed uh beef bone broth protein that i like organic um that works great yeah. i love that yeah bone broth and collagen are usually my go-to I, I typically stay away from the whey because i've seen right. it it's very insulinogenic so maybe around workouts but not as like a regular protein shake I agree, right? So if you're trying to build muscle, perhaps, and you're you're doing like let's say a 16, you're working out at the peak of your fast, like 16 to 18 hours, which I know you and I, I think we talked about that in one of yeah. our interviews. Um, we're both fans of that. Then right after that workout would be a good time for whey. But other than that, you really don't want to consume it because again, it is insulogenic, like you were talking about. Now, Ben, last two questions. Um, what are your favorite keto foods? Let's start with that. Favorite keto foods? Uh, By keto foods, I mean high protein, high fat, typically, right? Just lower carb, right? Because really, there's no true keto right. food other than maybe C8 MCT oil, which turns right into ketones. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I love a good ribeye steak, like grass-fed, yeah. grass-finished yeah. ribeye, or like some lamb chops. Those are usually like my favorite. If I could, I would eat that every single day if I can, but I, that wouldn't be good for me, right? So that's my go-to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yep, any others? Uh, I love top five. Oh, top five. So grass-fed beef, uh, grass-fed lamb. I love eggs too. I love like a soft scramble eggs. Uh, yeah. Of course, pastured eggs. Olives and olive oil are like my go-to. I could like oh, yeah. take shots of olive oil, real olive oil throughout the day. Yeah. And I also love coconut, like coconut oil uh, as well. And, and I typically, sometimes when I want to kind of stay in the fasted state, but I feel like I want to have something. I'll just grab a tablespoon of coconut oil and just have that. And I'll just fast for two to three hours, which is a great little tip for anybody who wants to have a fasting crutch and extend that fast. So those are my go-to. And then um, I do love avocados, but it's higher in histamine. So I don't really right. have too much of it, but uh, avocados are delicious. Yeah, so good. I love all those foods. And you know, most people don't don't talk about olives, especially in the keto world, right? Yeah. Most people are underutilizing them. One of my favorite things, I make this Mediterranean salad with like diced cucumbers, onions, uh, olives in it. We typically have cheese in there, tomatoes, right? It's just so, oh, we have artichokes, right? One mm. of the bitters, that's one of bitters. our favorites for yeah. bio, right? So we got artichokes in there and hearts of palm. 
too. Delicious. So good, right? I love that. I'm coming over, dude. That sounds great. <laughs> and then we use uh, the the Primal brand, Primal Ranch or Primal whatever they're, kitchen. they're Primal Kitchen. Yeah, Primal Kitchen's Italian mm. um, uh, dressing. It's so good. Yep. That sounds delicious. Now, what are your What are your favorite things to um, keto flex with? I love the sweet potatoes. I know it's higher in the oxalates, but uh, I love like uh, baking some sweet potato and putting mm -hmm. a little bit of some like sea salt and olive yeah. oil on that. I also love, uh, delicious, the um, lesser evil, they have these popcorn, this uh, like uh, nutritional yeast popcorn. That's It doesn't taste like, it doesn't have cheese, but it tastes like it has cheese. So I like getting a big bowl of the lesser evil popcorn with uh, nutritional yeast. And I'll drench actually av avocado or olive oil yeah. all over that. Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite things to eat. Oh yeah, I so also, it's so good, dude. I also love like like you said the um, cassava flour pizza crust. I right. like that with uh, maybe some like pepperoni on on, on the pizza. Yeah, that's yeah, delicious. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, I, I think we would uh, get along quite well um, with our eating <laughs> plans. <laughs> We'd have some great dinner parties, dude. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> Well, so good. So good, guy. Um, you know, I'm really, really proud of you, Ben, for all the great work that you're doing out there with Keto Camp, with your podcast, and with this great new book, Keto Flex, guys. I definitely would recommend going out and picking up Keto Flex. You can find it on Amazon, anywhere else they, they can get it. Is it at bookstores? Is it um, on your website? Amazon's the best place. So if they, if you go to uh, ketoflexbook.com, it goes right to the Amazon page. Right now there's a Kindle available and paperback. And then I'm actually going into the studio tomorrow to re start recording the audio. Well, perfect. Well, guys, go out, pick up Keto Flex. And if you don't have my book, Keto Metabolic Breakthrough, they're a great tandem or my fasting book. Great tandem of books, but I know you guys will get so much out of Keto Flex. So definitely check, check that out. And Ben, any last words of inspiration for our audience? Yeah. And yeah, I would recommend exactly what you just said. When you go to Amazon, add all the three books on the cart, get them all yeah. together. You know, the keto metabolic breakthrough, the yeah. fasting transformation and keto flex buy it together. And you're going to have more information on keto and fasting than most people out there. I mean, you put out such great work, so that could be a great trifecta. So definitely endorse that as well. Um, yeah. Final words is that you got to, you really surround yourself with people who are going to support you and your environment is going to determine your future and your environment determines your thoughts. So if you're around a toxic environment, if you're watching the toxic news, if you're on your Facebook feed all day long with this fear mindset, negative mindset, gossiping mindset, you're going to fall right aligned with that and you're not going to be able to heal your body. So detach from that, turn off the news, open up a book, surround yourself with podcasts like this, people who are going to uplift you and support you, change your environment. It'll change your thoughts. And when you change your thoughts, you change your life. So that'll be the last thing I want to share with your awesome audience. And I want to say thank you to you for your amazing work, David, and for having me on your podcast twice now. It's, it's, a, it's an honor. That's right. Well, thanks so much, Ben. I have to have you on every year because you just provide such great content and, uh, you know, whatever you're working on, I know my audience will always love and enjoy. So again, guys, check out the book, Keto Flex, his podcast, Keto Camp Podcast and YouTube as well. And we'll see you guys on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. 
your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.